Welcome to the 2020 Bowl Predictions game on Tackling the NFL. I'm Josh Rosenberg. I'm here with my co-host, Adam Baltax. Adam, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. We are doing a cool new game today. This is inspired off of the Bowl Predictions game the Shutdown Fullcast did last year about college football. And we are taking this, I will explain it in a bit, and we are going to move it into the NFL. We're going to talk about basically bowl predictions that we think are probably unlikely to happen, but some of them might happen this season. And we're going to place bets on which ones we think are the most likely to happen. Yeah, so we we split them into different point values based on how how unlikely they are to happen. Uh, and we'll be switching off, picking different predictions. And then at the end of the year, we'll see who did the best. Yeah, so Adam and I wrote three predictions each for each point category. So there's uh, predictions worth one point, worth four points, worth seven points, worth 10 points, and worth 13 points. 13 points are obviously the most unlikely to happen. As you'll see, they get pretty spicy and they get spicier as it goes along and they get extremely unlikely by the time you get anywhere near 13. And so I'll lead off, I think, the first one with the one points. I'm going to make my pick. Adam will make a pick. I'll pick again on the one points and Adam will pick one more one pointer. And then Adam's going to lead off the four points. And then at the very end, there's going to be, there, we have six options for each category. At the end, we're each going to pick one bonus pick that hasn't been picked yet. Right? Yep. Awesome. All right. Anything else you think that needs to be explained? Uh, no, it's pretty straightforward. You'll, you'll kind of get the gist of the game as we keep going. Uh, it gets a lot crazier towards the end because the predictions are a lot less likely. But yeah, start us off uh, round one. Okay. Uh, let's kick this off with, for one point, I'm going to take an AFC South team wins 10 games. Adam and I are each going to choose ours, and then we'll read the other two that haven't been picked at the end of the category. But I'm claiming an AFC South team wins 10 games because for the last three years, the winner of the AFC South has won 10 games. And I say that the Colts this year might be better than any of those teams. So I'm pretty comfortable with this one. Yeah, I, I, that would be the obvious number one pick here, I think. I can totally see this happening if if Rivers can hold down his, his position because that's really the only questioning factor. Uh, the rest of the Colts are a very good team. Yeah, I'd agree. It pretty much comes down to quarterback. But I'm comfortable enough with Rivers' production or potential production that I'm going to go with it. What about you? What's your first pick? So I think that was a good choice. I think that was a clear number one. But my second choice, my second ranked option after I ranked these predictions would be Deshaun Watson taking fewer than 40 sacks. So he was only sacked 44 times last year. And this offensive line hasn't really gotten worse. I can only see it improving. To be fair, they only did give up 19 of of the sacks last year directly. So maybe um, maybe he goes back to that awful 2018 year. But I can see Titus Howard improving. Laramie Tunsil solid. And Deshaun Watson's going to improve. I think that he'll get less than 40. He'll get sacked less than 40 times. I think that's fair. The problem with Deshaun is that he doesn't really take or he doesn't, the offensive line doesn't generally give up 40 sacks to them. It's more that he creates those sacks because of how long he holds the ball. And the Texans are more than willing to take that bargain because sometimes he just creates amazing stuff when he extends plays. And so it's great to have him do that. But he's taken, for every year of his career, he's taken 40 or more sacks every season. His rookie season, you actually need to extrapolate it because he only played in seven games. But I think that, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, Titus Howard might get better and this offensive line might protect him a little bit. It's really just about how quickly he's going to get the ball out. Yeah, and he'll improve too. His vision's going to get better. He's getting older into the league. Maybe he'll be able to avoid some more sacks by himself. Okay, my second one point 
bold prediction is going to be the Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots in December. I figured you were going to go there. Yeah. So <laughs> in case you didn't know, this is sort of a thing. The Dolphins have beaten the Patriots five out of the last seven times in December, going back to 2013. Every year they play in December, every year the Patriots lose. We saw it with the Miami Miracle last year. We just saw it when Devontae Parker spent the entire game bullying Stephon Gilmore. For some reason, it just always happens. And given that New England is probably going to be worse this year, I'm comfortable taking this. The only thing that might go wrong is that usually the Patriots have comfortably locked up the playoff spot at this point. And this year, maybe they're still competing and then they beat the Dolphins. Yeah, and also you got a big change in scenery with Tom Brady no longer there. Cam Newton doesn't know uh, what it's like to play against Miami in December. But that that was the obvious choice because of their history. I just don't know if that's going to be able to repeat it. So, Yeah, go, go for your second one. What's yours? So staying in this realm, I'm going to go with the Patriots not making the playoffs as my next pick. It, it hurts for me to say this. Because I know it's not going to happen. I, I know Belichick is going to somehow weave them into the playoffs with an 8-8 eight and eight record or something. But I, they're just not the same team that they were a couple years ago with all these opt-outs and all these changes. If Cam Newton can step up, maybe they squeak in. But they're not a, a very solid and deep team. Logically, this might be the best pick in the round other than maybe the AFC South team winning 10 games. But it's so hard to bet against Bill Belichick. Yeah, I just didn't feel yeah. comfortable doing it. <laughs> I, I still don't feel comfortable, and I just did it. I, I was going to pick it over the Dolphins beat New England in December, and I was like, wait a second. I, I, I will curse myself <laughs> if, if, if I lose because Bill Belichick just coaches well. Okay, the last two that we haven't taken in this category are the Panthers don't have the worst record in the NFC South, and the Saints make the Super Bowl. Is there anything that really interests you about those, or do you just want to keep moving? Uh, Both NFC South. It's a very interesting division. I think we both avoided that because anything can happen. And the Saints, who you actually picked to make the Super Bowl, like even though that's that's your pick, that's still a pretty bold prediction. It's just risky to pick to guarantee that any one team is going to make the Super Bowl. And for a especially one, for only in one the point, NFC. Yeah, especially in the NFC. And really, I think the biggest obstacle to the Saints in making the Super Bowl is really just their playoff luck. Uh, yeah. given that they seem to be, be cursed. I do think that it's a pretty good pick. Maybe I'll circle back to it in the bonus round. Adam, yep. you're leading us off for the four-point category. Go ahead. Take your pick. Okay, so this one was pretty tough. Obviously, the, the picks earlier were a lot easier than this one. But I'm going to go with Michael Gallup getting more receiving yards than Amari Cooper. Dang it. Oh, I wanted. <laughs> you wrote I, this one. Yeah, I know. Um. Amari Cooper only had like 80 more yards than Michael Gallup last year. And I don't see any reason why Gallup won't pass him this year. He's younger, faster, more talented. I don't know um, about more talented, but he's, <laughs> he's younger. I think the, I think the key thing here though, is that Gall- uh, Cooper, sorry, has a far greater injury history. So there's a very decent chance that he just misses a couple games. Uh, yeah. And, and Gallup has been extremely consistent and especially with more weapons with CD lamb, he'll, he'll get a lot of single coverage. I think there's only upside for him. Okay. I actually, I was a little concerned, but I actually really like my pick here. I have for four points, Todd Gurley or David Johnson will finish as a top 10 fantasy running back. And I'm not all that confident in either of them on their own, but they're both in pretty good situations. They should both be getting a ton of volume. And last year, the number nine running back in half PPR, I'm going to assume this is half PPR, because I think the Aldi should be half PPR, uh, was Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette did not have a good year last year. I think it's very reasonable to predict that one of them sneaks in there. 
or maybe even gets higher because the reason that Leonard Fournette was at 10 was because Saquon Barkley was, or sorry, Leonard Fournette was at nine was because Saquon was at 10 because he got hurt. There's a decent chance that one of the top running backs gets hurt. One of these guys just makes it in. Yeah, and the, the reason I put Todd Gurley and David Johnson is because they both have past seasons where they were incredible in fantasy and have kind of fallen off. So maybe they'll all, be back to their former teams. selves. Yeah, I, it's very unlikely that they're back to their former selves, but they can only improve from where they were last year. For my second pick in this round, I'm going to go with the Chargers leading the NFL in turnovers force. So the reason I was hesitant to pick this one was because that is such a bold statement because turnovers force can be fumbles. I just think that their secondary is the best in the league and I, and I had to put my I had to predict that one because the other ones aren't as I don't know, aren't as safe. They have the best secondary in my opinion. They got Derwin James, Casey Hare, Casey Hayward, Chris Harris, Desmond King. It's just whether or not another team gets more fumble recoveries, which could obviously happen. The thing is that, yeah, turnovers are such a ridiculous crapshoot every year. They could very easily have the best secondary and not end up anywhere even in exactly. the top 10. So I, I wrote this one. I think that it's entirely possible that happens. I wouldn't be surprised at all if it happens, given that the top two teams in turnover, turnovers force last year were the Steelers and the Patriots, who had the top two defenses. But at the same time, it you know, some team might just sneak in there. Exactly. Maybe, maybe it, it's, it's not safe at all. Exactly. Yeah. But it, it's still a fun one. And I do think that it could happen. For my second pick at four points, I'm going to take... Drew Brees breaks the passing completion percentage record. So Brees holds the top three spots on the completion percentage list from the last three years. Uh, meanwhile, I think their offense is going to be even more run heavy, which is going to take some of the load off of Drew. And they added a legit number two receiver in Emmanuel Sanders, which they haven't really had in recent years. Like their number two receiver last year was Traquan Smith, who did nothing. And before that, it was probably Ted Ginn, who's more of a deep threat and isn't really beneficial for completion percentage. I think that his connection with Michael Thomas will give him a chance to break this passing completion percentage record. See, the only reason I didn't choose that one is because that offense is going to have the ball so much because of how good that team is all around. Their defense is so is solid as well. And I just don't think that he'll be able to maintain that high of a level throughout the whole year. That's entirely possible. The other two unpicked options at four points that we might swing back to are a second-year QB wins MVP, and a team gets three safeties. Okay. So on to, on to the seven-pointers. Wait, wait, give me one second on this one just because I want to okay. talk just a little bit. So the last two years, I feel like the second-year QB was sort of like the dangling fruit, but also sort of a little risky just because the last two years, a second-year quarterback has won. We saw it with Mahomes, and we saw it with Lamar. I don't necessarily know if any of these quarterbacks – from last year's rookie class are nearly at their level. They're probably not. And I think that we can pretty much agree that Kyler Murray has the best chance. Yep. But I think quietly, quietly, if Daniel Jones is a lot better than we think he is, he has the weapons and a terrible defense to put up huge numbers. So that could theoretically happen. I, I, couldn't, I, <laughs> I can't see a Giants player winning MVP next year. I don't I do even not, see them making the playoffs. I don't disagree. I, that, he was just the only other option besides Kyler. Or he was the only other option I could consider besides Kyler to do it. Yeah. yeah, and also second-year QB means a little bit less, judging by the fact that their offseason, they haven't had a lot of time to grow. That's true. And that's so important for second-year quarterbacks. So maybe Kyler Murray, if he leads this Cardinals team, which is a lot better, but who knows? All right, I'm leading us off at seven points, right? Yep. 
Okay. I love this. I think that this is by far the easiest one in the seven points. I'm taking a California team makes a championship game, a championship game, not the Super Bowl. Sorry. So NFC championship game or AFC championship game, yep. which means that, that the 49ers will make the NFC championship game. I don't, I'm not particularly high on the 49ers this year, but I definitely think that they could do it. The biggest problem might be their division just because of how good the Rams and the Seahawks and maybe even the Cardinals are. Otherwise, yeah, I think that that's a pretty, it's a relatively safe pick for a seven point round. Yeah, that that's a very safe pick. Similar to the New Orleans one. I just didn't, I didn't pick that one as my number one because it's just, it's not very secure. I don't like predicting things in the playoffs. The, that San Francisco team lost a lot of offensive power with, they basically have no wide receivers heading into week one, except for Debo Samuel, if he's healthy. I agree with that. It's going to be a crapshoot on offense, but if that defense can hold them together, I could totally see that. The The Chargers, Raiders, Rams. Not Raiders anymore. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> the Chargers and Rams, and is that it? That's it. Chargers, Rams. The Chargers and 49ers. Rams are less of a threat, in my opinion. Less of a threat. I think they're, honestly, I think they could both be playoff teams. I might have predicted them both to be playoff teams, maybe not the Rams. But I think that, frankly, if we had... Uh, the Saints make the Super Bowl for one point, and then we have a California team, which we, I'm just going to assume that this is 49ers because that's just yeah. the easiest one. If I, if you said uh, the 49ers make the NFC Championship game for seven, that is a bet I will take any day. Yeah, in retrospect, I probably should have made the made it the Super Bowl, but whatever. Yeah. Well, it, it would have been a little bit too close. Also, there's another one with the Super Bowl in this round. I do like how you wrote both of those, though. So. <laughs> Go ahead. You're up. Okay, so with my... With my selection in the seven-point round, I'm going to go with – Well, okay, I'm sorry. That, that threw me for a loop because I had that one first. I'm going to go with six fourth-quarter comebacks by a single quarterback. Okay. This this doesn't seem that crazy to me. Uh, Stafford had eight in 2016. Carr had seven in 2016. Breeze had six in 2018. I could totally see it happening with someone like Russell Wilson in the league or Patrick Mahomes or – or Lamar Jackson. There's so many good quarterbacks. I could I could see this happening. So I think that this stat isn't really a predictor of who's a good quarterback, but rather than who rather who's a lucky quarterback. The reason I didn't want to take it was I think that we're looking at the same leaderboard on Pro Football Reference. I'm not entirely sure what their criteria is for a fourth quarter comeback. Um, well, like, it's pretty simple. If they have a lot, if they're down heading into the fourth quarter. I guess so. I guess it's game. just if you if you're down one or two at the beginning of the fourth quarter and then you come back and win, it doesn't seem like a comeback. But anyways, there aren't that many teams in NFL history who have or that many quarterbacks in NFL history who had six in one season. So I do think it's relatively risky. I think it's really this just mean, like wait, this can be more than six too, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. more than six. six. Six and above. Six and above. But If someone gets seven and I lose, I'd, I'd be very unhappy. That would be very funny. I think that this, yeah, I think that this category is more of pure chance than of like quarterback skill, which is why I didn't necessarily want to grab it, but it might have been my second choice. Yeah. Wow, this is going to be a shorter episode, so all you guys can listen to this one quickly, and that's good. We have some stuff to talk about at the end, but otherwise, let's just keep it rolling, and I do not know which one I'm going to pick here. Uh, this is terrible. Oh, um, wow, this is really bad. Two of them I know aren't going to happen. Three of them I know aren't going to happen. All right, I have no choice. I wrote this one, and I hate it. I wrote it as there's no chance it's going to happen. But the pick I'm going to make is an NFC North team makes the Super Bowl. And I hate this. I really hate this. And I hate myself even more for the reason and the team that, I'm, that I expect to be the one to do this. So when I talked about the NFC North, I made it very clear that I think that 
all these teams are pretty much at about the same level and that they're probably going to fight each other to like get to seven wins and none of them are going to make any noise in the playoffs because I don't think any of them are outstanding. I think they're all mediocre to good. I think the only way this happens, though, is if Aaron Rodgers is so driven by spite that he takes them to the Super Bowl, which is even worse because <laughs> I've said this entire offseason that I think Aaron Rodgers is washed. And now I'm, I guess, staking myself to him making the Super Bowl somehow. But oh, that's all, the other options are worse, and you'll see why when Adam has to make his next pick. So I, I was a little bit surprised that you picked that one just based off of how much you hate Aaron Rodgers. But out of the last three, you really left me with nothing. There's nothing. Um, there's there's one obvious one that you, I just can't pick, and that's the Chiefs start 0-4. The other two are plausible, but I'm going to go with the Steelers having a losing record. Ooh. The other option was the Jaguars having a winning record, so it wasn't much of a choice. It's it's basically banking on the fact that Big Ben gets hurt because I, there's there's really there's there's really no chance that this happens. They went eight and eight with Mason Rudolph. I mean, I don't believe in it, but hey, why not? So yeah, that's the thing. The Steelers have, and we've talked about. It, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before. The Steelers have never had a losing record under Mike Tomlin. I think that you're right. If Big Ben gets hurt, they could have a losing record just because the reason that they maintained an eight and eight record last season was because their defense was out of this world. And as I mentioned earlier, they led the NFL in turnovers and that's going to regress, even if they're still a good defense. So I think that if Big Ben gets hurt, then yes, we could see them have a losing record. I guess yeah. that's maybe more plausible than the other two. I just see the, the, I just think that the Steelers low is a little bit lower than the Jaguars high because I, 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 agree with that. I don't, I don't see them going anywhere. No, I, I agree with that. The other, so the Chiefs are own four. They're, First four games are actually sort of tough. They play the Texans, Chargers, Ravens, and Pats. But this is actually a trick question because the answer is someone gets COVID and they forfeit <laughs> all four games. <laughs> well, uh, that, that, that's one way of doing it. Yes. So we could have picked that one. And then for the Jaguars have a losing record in my notes, I just wrote no because that's not <laughs> happening. Well, you're, you're, we're going to come back and Minshew is going to be the MVP and you're going to regret saying that. Wait, he's a second-year quarterback. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, he definitely has more of a chance of being MVP than Daniel Jones. Yeah, or Drew Locke. I was, thinking, I was thinking a little bit ahead. So, Adam, why don't you lead us off to the 10-point round? Okay, and this one, you wrote, you wrote this one. I think it's a clear number one choice. I said that Tyra Taylor or Ryan Fitzpatrick will start all 16 games. I, okay. I, wait, wait, wait. Can you give me one second? Because the thing is that this one looks like the obvious one. But I went back and I did the research on when the last time a quarterback who was drafted in the first round didn't start at least one game that season. Do you, do you want to take a guess? The last time it happened was in 2005 for the Washington football team. Do you want to take a guess on who that quarterback was? Uh, 2005 Washington football team. Uh, no, go ahead. It was Jason Campbell in back in oh. 2005. Yeah. And then in 2003, Carson Palmer was the other one, I think of the 20th century or 21st century to be drafted in the first round and not start a game in his rookie season. I just think it's relatively unlikely that Justin Herbert or Tua doesn't get a chance. But explain to me why you think that they'll be starting. So I, I read this as Tyrod Taylor starts all 16 games. I don't think there's any Fair. way that Tua doesn't get in okay. this season. It's basically I'm betting on Tyrod Taylor because he has upside. If he decides that he's a star quarterback, then there's no reason for them to switch him out. And if the Chargers are good, listen, I'm not high on Tyrod Taylor, but out of all these options, this is the most plausible. If I love he, this. If, if he is, steps up 
and the Chargers defense does, and they go like if they win like seven of their first nine games, then there's no reason for them to switch them out. That's true, and I love this mostly because we are switching roles. I am praising Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and you are betting on Tyrod Taylor, which is counter to everything we've said. Uh, the reason I didn't make it a first-round quarterback since all 16 games is because I think that Jordan Love will be the first quarterback since Jason Campbell yeah. to be drafted in the first round. Yeah, I think that I really like this Chargers team, and I also said I really like Tyrod Taylor. I just think that at some point they're going to want to know what Justin Herbert can give them. And as you mentioned before, see, I'm taking your side here. Tyrod Taylor is a relatively conservative quarterback, so I think that there's a chance that uh, Herbert just gets a starting chance. Oh, I, could, I, I, I don't like Tyrod Taylor. I just think out of the options in the 10-point round, this is most plausible. I actually think that my pick, which I'm about to say right now, and I'm taking an offensive lineman scores a touchdown, is the most likely one in this round. And I say this because I have no idea. I, couldn't, I didn't figure out uh, how many offensive linemen have scored touchdowns like per season over the past couple of years, mostly because that seemed complicated to do, <laughs> and I didn't really want to spend that much time on it. But I think that it happens at least like one or two times most years, right? You just always see that highlight pop up. Last year, the Falcons did it with, do you know his name? Tyler Sam, I don't. Was it Tyler Davison? I don't know. No, no, it was Tyler Sam Brilo, I think. I don't oh, know Sam Brilo, yeah, yeah, yeah. The left Thank guard. you. Yes. So he scored a touchdown. I think Vita Vea, he's a defensive lineman. So I guess he scored a touchdown and that wouldn't count for this. Either way, for the 10-point options, I'm pretty happy with getting this one. Yeah, that that's one of them where it always seems to happen, but you can't really bet on it because <laughs> you can't bet on the O lineman scoring. But that's out true. of the out of the rest of the options, I I would say that that's probably the best choice. Yeah. Okay. What's your next pick? Okay, so two of these I've just written off, so it was between two. Um, okay. but I'm gonna go with a non-Lamar quarterback leading his team in rushing. Okay. I, just because the rest of them don't seem very likely and quarterbacks in this day and age are just good. <laughs> There's a lot of good fast quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Cam Newton, who I can all see doing it. My, my pick, to, if any of these quarterbacks are going to do it is Cam Newton though, because they have no real rushing threat and he's a good runner. And I could, I could totally see Cam Newton leading the Patriots in rushing yards. So when I wrote this question, or this option, I guess. I was not thinking about Cam Newton. And the reason I wasn't thinking about Cam was partially because I think the Patriots are going to do whatever they can to keep him healthy. And if that means taking the ball out of his hands a little bit more to make sure, sure that he's able to start the entire season, they might do that. I think the best option for this pick is Deshaun Watson. And the reason that I think that is because last season, we saw Ryan Fitzpatrick lead the Miami Dolphins in rushing yards. And so he was the quarterback <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, he was the quarterback I was thinking of when I wrote this because it was such a ridiculous thing. But for this for this to happen, it doesn't necessarily require a super mobile quarterback, as we saw with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It requires multiple bad running backs on the same team that split snaps. So none of them carry the workload. And this year, Deshaun Watson has Duke and David Johnson, neither of which did very much. Last year, David Johnson played 74 snaps total from week 11 on. I think it's it's possible that they're both terrible and Deshaun like, sneaks his way in there, but I don't think it's very likely. And there's also a chance that like a starting running back gets hurt. And yeah. that quarterback has to take sure. a, a lot of pressure. All right, I'm up. And yeah, these honestly, I thought I think these last four are all pretty much at about the same level of unlikeliness, unlikelihood, I guess. I'm going to go with someone breaks Michael Strahan's single season single season sacks record, which is 22 in a season. I don't feel great about this, obviously, because <laughs> I'm betting on records being broken here. 
I think that the best chance is possibly Miles Garrett to do it. He had 10 sacks in 10 games last season, so he'd need to pretty much double his production. Not double it because he gets to play more games, hopefully. Last season, Shaq Barrett had 19 and a half. And I think the year before that, Aaron Donald got close-ish too. So I just think that we're seeing rushers get closer and closer to this stat or this barrier, I guess. And I feel like it'll eventually happen. Maybe not this year. Yeah, and there could be some some crazy – there could be some – unlikely heroes on this one. You saw Adrian Claiborne a couple years ago get six sacks in a game. Yep. Uh, anything can happen, really. Chase Young could be incredible. That defensive line will get a lot of action with how terrible that offense is. Who knows? I agree. All right, so can you read us off the last two 10-pointers that we haven't taken yet? Yeah, so these awful other ones are a non-quarterback wins MVP, which never happens. The last time that happened, though, was Adrian Peterson in 2012. And so just like with the quarterback leading his team in rushing, there's things that need to happen. And I think that for it to happen, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes have to have the two best seasons out of quarterbacks, and they aren't very good. And a running back like Saquon has a 2,000-yard season. Because the thing is that the voters won't want to give it to a quarterback who has recently won. But if they're outstandingly good, then they'll have to give it to them. So the best chance is for quarterbacks who have recently won to be the best quarterbacks, but also not be all that impressive. Right. And... The last one was a tight end leads the league in receiving yards, which there's only one real option here, which is Travis Kelsey. And it's just not really something you can bet on. So I actually sort of disagree on that, mostly because I think that the tight end with the best option to reach this marker is George Kittle. And I say this purely because of tar- yeah, I say this purely because of target share. As you mentioned oh, earlier, right. The 49ers have no receivers. Debo Samuel is the only other good receiver on this team, or at least proven receiver on this team. And he might start the season on the PUP list. The reason I didn't want to pick this, and I did consider it, I almost took this as my second one, was because last year Michael Thomas had 1,725 yards. I don't think he'll be replicating that. But Travis Kelsey had 1,229 yards, and Travis Kittle had 1,053 yards. So they were pretty far off. Oops. Well, I just combined (laughs) their names. Oh, well. I think that the leading receiver this year will either be Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams because they're not competing for target share and they're not going to be blocking half the time like George Kittle will. Yeah. I mean, that's a good, that's a good uh, observation because I didn't, I didn't even think about George Kittle, but with no wide receivers, maybe he could be that, that entire offense. There's the chance. I just think that he's such a good blocker. I think they're going to be running the ball a lot this year. And so I, yeah, I think it's a little unlikely. Or obviously it's unlikely it's at ten it's a ten point option, <laughs> but we're at thirteen points, right? Right. I think I'm leading us off, right? Uh yeah. This is okay. this is you. Great. These are all impossible, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> all right, I have to ask a qualifier for one of these because I think that it has the best chance, but this option is someone retires midseason. Are we accepting somebody getting hurt? And it's clear that they won't be playing again this season, and they announce retirement in the middle of the season. Or do they need to retire in the middle of a game like Vontae Davis? I'm thinking. Well, okay. When I wrote it, I was thinking Vontae Davis, Andrew. Yeah, Watt. I, I figured. I figured. But, but the the thing is that it sort of fits in. Like if you announce retirement midseason, it's possible for somebody like I don't know. I'm gonna say JJ Wap. I don't think he's gonna retire. Say he gets hurt again. He says he's done. Does that count? Sure, I'll I'll give it to you. Okay, it's still pretty unlikely, but I'm gonna take that one. Someone retires midseason. Give me that for 13 points. Okay, and and you think it's going to be an injury-caused retirement? Yes, yes. I, I see. I can't remember the last time somebody did something like Vontae Davis who retired in the middle of a game because he just didn't feel the need to play football <laughs> anymore. Uh, I feel like I should just give the listeners that in case they haven't heard of him before. I think 
that yet. An injury to an older player is the best chance for us to see this. Yeah. And once you once you guys hear the rest of these options, you'll understand why he went with something so crazy. Yeah. Um, with my first pick, although all these are awful, I'm gonna go with a team goes sixteen and zero. Woo. Okay. It's 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 a pretty bold prediction, but if any team's gonna do it, it could be the Chiefs. They're they're one of the best teams I've seen in my entire lifetime. They're they're very they're stacked, and the rest of these options just aren't very good. Okay, so, so this is interesting because the last, as we all know, and I'm just going to bring this up because I'm a Dolphin fan, so I want to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. The last team to go 16 and 0, and the only team to go 16 and 0, is the 1972 Miami Dolphins. That was the year uh, my my dad was. That was the year my dad was born. Patriots? Wait, are we only go. count? Oh, are we only counting regular season? Yeah, 16 and 0 means 16 games in the regular season. I read this as undefeated. That was on, <laughs> that was on me. Okay, that's true. The Patriots did do that. I still don't think the Chiefs are have. I think the Chiefs have more obstacles than those Patriots do. I mean, they play the Ravens on Monday night, I'm pretty sure, which I might tape that game and watch it like four times because I'm super excited for that. Okay, that gives you slightly better odds. Right. Just I, I'm not going to bet on a team going undefeated. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, who was it? Was it like Skip Bayless who said the Ravens are going 16-0? Uh, one of those lunatics. Yeah. All right. So we are not a talking head. Therefore, we do not make <laughs> such bold predictions unless we are on a bold predictions episode. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything else you want to add to this one, or do you want me to go? Um, no, I just – we have some of the best teams that I've seen in a while, and I, it's it's just the safest out of the rest of these, in my opinion. I agree. I think it's all about schedule luck in that case. I'm going to take – so I'm debating between two, sort of three. Actually, honestly, all these are equal down, like, <laughs> at this point. Uh, I'm going to take one that you wrote. I'm taking both of them that you wrote, actually. Because I thought that mine were just too unlikely, almost. <laughs> I'm thinking a player or a defensive player, obviously, catches ten interceptions. You added that the last time that that happened was Antonio Cromartie in 2007, which I appreciate because I didn't want to go back and look at that. <laughs> this is pure luck. Interceptions are far more a quarterback stat than than a defensive player stat. So I I, went, I did go back and I looked at recent years and how many interceptions the league leaders have. And usually each year you see two guys or one or two guys around seven or eight but not near 10, this is pure luck. I'm just betting on a total fluke. Somebody faces Nathan Peterman in one week and, and like, I don't know, <laughs> Daniel jo- and, like, James Winston comes in the next uh, and replaces Week, week 15. Yeah, exactly. That This is what I'm betting on. I don't think it's going to happen. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen, but that is the path for this to occur. The reason that I, I put this in the 13-point rank was because of just how much better the quarterbacks are now. Just the, the the tier is so much better that I I can't see a quarterback throwing that many interceptions to one player. Yeah, it's pure luck. They need to face a bunch of bad quarterbacks, and they need to be in the right spot at the right time. That's basically how interception stats. Yeah, work it's in not gonna be it's not gonna be the best cornerback or the best safety in the league that that does it if it happens. Every year we see some guy go up to like eight interceptions, and we're like, wow, they're the best safety in the league. And the next year, Demonte KZ. Yeah, so. But, that doesn't even mean they're a bad player. Like, for example, we saw that with Kevin Byard a couple years ago. And, um, oh, I'm thinking of somebody, I think, last year who Ooh. had a – no, sorry. Oh, um, Eddie Jackson with the oh, yeah. Chicago Bears. Sorry, had, right team, I think, wrong person. Yeah, actually, yeah. He had seven or eight interceptions a couple years ago. They gave him a big contract. And I think the contract would be fine, even though he had only a couple interceptions last year, mostly because he's still a really good player. You just shouldn't be betting on the interceptions to recur. Right, and you did. Um, so, I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to go 
with my last pick. These last three are ridiculous. I'm going to go with a kicker kicks a 70-yard field goal. That was the other one I was thinking of. I mean, out of the last three, I think it's the most plausible because we've seen kickers do it outside of the game. We saw Butker do it in Mexico City last year. Tucker's done it in practice. All these YouTubers do it do it in their in their fields. It, it's extremely unlikely. Don't get me wrong. the The highest is sixty five, and that jump from sixty five to seventy is pretty huge. Out of the rest of these, I think that's the most plausible because it's possible. The only way this happens is if it's if it's at the end of a half or the end of yeah, the game, right? Like a Janikowski situation, exactly, right? Where they just see if it happens. I almost wrote because I, I wrote this uh, one, and I almost wrote Justin Tucker kicks a seventy yard field goal because <laughs> if anybody's gonna try this, it's the Ravens, and if anybody's gonna make it, it's Justin Tucker. Yeah, it'll be He's, the Ravens when they're up like fifty three to seven or something. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. I just feel like, yeah, the chances are slim. Obviously, these last two in this category. Like, looking at it from afar, they're the most reasonable. When you dig into the numbers, they're totally unlikely. Uh, so, it's a quarterback throws 30 interceptions, and an NFC West team gets the number one overall pick without trading for it. Because I felt the need to throw in that qualifier, <laughs> just in case. The last time a quarterback threw 30 interceptions was last year, which is why it seems like it's likely. And it was when Jameis Winston went 30 for 30, and he had 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. But the last time a quarterback did that, threw 30 picks, was 1988. Also, the same team. Do you want to guess who that quarterback was? Quarterback who threw 30 interceptions in 1988? For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Same team as uh, Jameis. Oh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, it's it's also a quarterback. Think... I, yeah, oh. I, I mean, I wouldn't have thought of who it was, but it's a quarterback who you've heard of and you definitely know. Mm. Oh, uh, I don't know. Vinny Testaverde. Oh, oh, you got it. <laughs> no way! No, no you're lying. But no, you you're got lying. it. Okay. Oh, no, you got I, it. it was I, that was the only Bucks quarterback I could think of from the '80s. <laughs> clapping! I'm clapping. That was impressive. Uh, I appreciate it. I mean, that that was just it was a litter, It was it was the needle in the hay bale. I mean, yeah, we were both born 15 years after this happened, <laughs> essentially. So there's a reason that we don't know Vinny Testaverde's interception stats in 1988. But, uh, yeah. That, that's no, nice just job. a bunch of sporkle quizzes right there. There you go. Nice. <laughs> okay, and then the other one is the NFC West team getting the number one overall pick. What are your thoughts on this one? <laughs> is there much to say? No. <laughs> yeah. They have the best teams in the league. I think that if Kyler gets hurt, there's definitely a chance that that could happen, though. Well, yeah, I think someone has to get hurt, and he has to be in an important position. Maybe, I don't know. No, I, I can't see this happening. <laughs> The, the only other, because the problem is that the main reason I'd be concerned, even if Kyler got hurt, was because the Cardinals have a ridiculously easy schedule. Four out of the first five weeks, they play Washington, Detroit, Carolina, and the New York Jets. And then later, they play the Dolphins and the Giants. So, unless All Kyler six gets of hurt, those teams, I think, will have lower draft picks than them. Yes, agree. I fully agree. So, even if Kyler gets hurt, like, week three, they'll probably have picked up enough wins to just, like, scrape their way to a higher pick. And if we're, if we're no, talking reliant on one player, maybe if Russell Wilson gets hurt, the Seahawks could. That's possible. But I feel like the talent they added to their defense, even if they can't reach the passer, like the talent they added in that secondary might just be good enough to win them a couple games. Who's the Seahawks' backup quarterback? Well, it should be Colin Kaepernick, but. Oh, um, it's Geno Smith. Oh, it's Geno Smith. Wait, Geno Smith's actually pretty good. And behind him, they have Aaron Gordon, who was 
wait, did I, sorry, not Aaron Gordon, Anthony Gordon, my bad. I was thinking, I was thinking of a sports Gordon and I pulled, yeah, I pulled a magic player. Anthony Gordon, who was the quarterback at Washington State, who took over after Gardner Minshew left and put up better stats, I believe, than Minshew. So, yeah, I, yeah, no, I think that they actually have decent options behind them, even though I do think that they should have signed Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, but we're, we're not going to get into that this episode. Not so today. we we both we both have a, a bonus pick left. You can and go first because I took the, I took the first one. Okay, and we can use this on any round, on any unpicked prediction, I guess. So I'm going to go with, in the four points round, a team gets three safeties. God dang it. That's what I was going to take. <laughs> All right. Because I actually had this one ranked pretty highly in the four points round. I just didn't take it because I still had the Chargers option. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it could happen. It's, it's very plausible. Do you want the stats <laughs> on the last couple times that that's happened? Yeah, yes, please. Okay. So uh, I went into this the last – last year two teams had three safeties it was the Steelers and the Jets so as I said this is a fluke because the Jets actually the Jets Jets defense was decent under Greg Williams but you have to go back to 2015 to find another team with three or more safeties the Dolphins had four in 2015 so I think that goes to show how unimportant safeties are in being a successful team absolutely so I think that it's entirely possible that's why I made it a four point prediction instead of a seven point or something like that because if i wanted to make it a seven pointer i would have made it four safeties instead i decided to make it reasonable and just throw it in there yeah so you're stuck with the, the rest oh god this is really bad all right i'm just gonna think out loud right so i think the obvious one is either the panthers don't have the worst record in the nfc south because i think it could be the falcons or I the saints the bucks yeah mm-hmm. oh okay well that was not where <laughs> i was going uh okay or the saints make a super bowl that's entirely possible those are just one point options and i really don't think it benefits me all that much to go that that low i guess um, you're gonna regret this when you lose by one i am right so the other one i'm considering is a tight end leads the league in receiving in receiving yards because i'm just seriously considering george fiddle but i think he's gonna block too much i think they're gonna run the ball too much so i'm gonna make i'm gonna take the, oh i'm oh <laughs> see because i already took an nfc north team make the super bowl so i'm basically betting against myself by taking the saints <laughs> to make the super bowl so Instead of thinking of me betting against myself, I'm going to think of me hedging my bets and instead ah. taking the Saints make the Super Bowl for one point. So low reward, but slightly lower risk. To be fair to you, you were not happy when you got stuck with the other with the NFC uh, North team making the Super Bowl. That is very true. Oh, and the reason why is because I wrote that one intentionally thinking, God, I'm never going to take this. But then you wrote, the Jaguars have a winning, winning record and the Chiefs start 0-4, and, and I could definitely not take those. So I was... <laughs> Yeah, honestly, Jaguars having a winner, winning record could have gotten into 13 points. Oh, that's probably <laughs> true. There's always – I mean, the thing is that if you think about that year, what was that, 2016 when Blake Bortles was, like, decently good and that defense was amazing? Yeah, and if and if Minshew is the best quarterback in the league. They don't have they don't <laughs> have the talent, though. They just really don't have – yeah, that's the thing. Like, maybe – And if Chenault just blows up as the best wide receiver. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no. I, I don't see it. But that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed this. As I mentioned yeah. earlier, I took this I took this idea for this game from the Shutdown Fullcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts about college football and also not about college football. I definitely <laughs> rec- recommend checking it out. And, and we'll definitely be doing more games in the future similar to this. It's just Absolutely. a lot more fun and more. And you guys can play along with us too. Let us know what you chose. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We'll be coming back to this at the end of the season. So if you guys want to write down the ones that you had, if you beat us, congrats. We don't have any merch, so we can't give you anything. But We'll, we'll, um, we'll give you something. We just we'll give you a shout. We'll give you a shout out. Yeah, there you go. 
Awesome. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna post in the episode notes to the page where we made our predictions, so you can read them yourself if you guys want to if you guys want to follow along and play with us. But I think that we well, I know that we are one week essentially away from Ooh. the beginning of the NFL season. Yeah, this is amazing. Next week we are gonna do probably one more fun episode, maybe another game because I have some ideas before the season starts, and then we'll be doing some more detailed analysis from then on out. But this is this is great. Yeah, two weeks out and and just as excited. Yeah. I think before we finish, there was one significantly more serious thing we wanted to finish on, and it was too important not for us not to talk about. We saw the Milwaukee Bucks last Wednesday, I believe, go on strike to protest the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and athletes around the world followed and refused to play to protest inju- uh, injustice and I say strike intentionally because they did not boycott. They struck because they are the laborers who withheld their uh, labor. And um, I just think that it's incredibly important that we mention how, uh, how important this moment was, the changes that we saw. Every team in the NBA pledged to use their arena as a voting place. I think NFL teams should be doing that too. Adam, what do you have on this? Because I have something, I have a quote that I want to use to finish this out. But yeah, do you have anything I, you want to say? I, I just wanted to continue with what he was saying. Voting is extremely important in today's day and age, and make sure you go out of your way to do it. And no vote is a vote for the wrong side, and we don't want that. So, yeah, you can finish this off. So I wrote a little something down just because I wanted to make sure I got the wording right. But um, every week we see new videos of extrajudicial murders committed by state-sanctioned actors. And every day, Black men and women are gunned down in the street in front of their families, in front of their children, in Jacob Blake's case. For us to truly put an end to this horrific violence and endless cycle of harm, we must begin by addressing the deeply ingrained racism and colonialism that is baked into policing in America. So to do this, at the very least, we can begin by defunding the police and reinvesting in marginalized communities of color. And I know that divesting from the carceral systems that pretend to be such a necessary part of American society is a daunting task. But as James Baldwin wrote in The Fire Next Time, I know that what I am asking is impossible, but in our time, as in every time, the impossible is the least that we can demand.